Hi, I'm Rod Roark. Welcome back to Roark Knows Podcast, helping you become a better you. Well, I am truly excited and honored to have with me a good friend of mine, a world-class dermatologist from New York City, Dr. Doris Day. Doris, welcome. She's a- Thanks so much for having me on. She's phenomenal. And she's an associate professor, clinical professor at NYU. And I always learn so much when I talk to her and we've uh, been around the world. Uh, one of my favorite things is I made the mistake or learned a lot when I went shopping with Dr. Day in Monaco. I'm glad I had my tennis shoes on. It was amazing. So it was fun. <laughs> so, so, um, so tell me, Doris, we're going to talk about some fun things. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, you really are a master injector. And, and I love what you talk about. And, and when you talk about how you inject and how you keep patients looking normal and not like aliens. And, and of course, that's one of my big pet peeves, too, because it's like you. I see a lot of people that have been totally overdone and saddens me. So tell me what your philosophy is with your patients, because, you know, you, you know, and also you practice what you preach. You look amazing. So Aww, thank you. That's so sweet. And thank you for the sweet introduction. I, I believe that the idea of uh, valuing appearance is not just about having something done for the sake of it or looking good just for the sake of it. People usually have a reason for wanting to adjust their appearance. It's because they feel like maybe they don't look as young as they feel on the inside. And right. usually it's true because we know that different organs age at different rates. So your brain may actually be decades younger than your skin because your brain is the most protected organ because it runs the whole body, but your skin is exposed to all the elements and it's protecting your whole body. So your skin may age decades faster than the rest of you. When you look in the mirror, you're like, wait, that's not me. I don't feel like that. So some people want to make that connection. Some people really don't feel good and they feel that if they can make themselves look better, they'll feel better and that serves them well. So it can go both ways. But the reality is when somebody comes in and they say, I don't like this line or I don't want my I don't like my forehead lines or my nasolabial folds or my neck, what they're really telling you is they're giving you information. They're not necessarily saying get rid of those lines or fill that line. What they're telling you is that there's something off balance in their face. And it's our job as aesthetic physicians and artists to look at them, to assess them, to understand them, to make sure they feel heard, but then help redirect them in a direction that's going to be authentic and that will affect how they age. Because if we do what we do well, whether it's a neuromodulator like Botox or Dysport or Zeeman or Juvo, one of the ones we have available, Daxify is the newest one, or it's one of the 15 or so fillers that we have available, if we do those right, we will affect how they age. And everyone will say, you look great, what are you doing? Not, oh my God, your lips or your right. cheeks. They'll, they'll just say you look great. I want to know what you're doing because you look so good. Right. And you're not one thing stands out. You stand out. And I love that. And, you know, as a plastic surgeon, I do that. And I actually, you know, of course, I have a surgical perspective. But you have an amazing artistic perspective, which is really, I think, I think it's uncommon to see that in physicians. And I'm talking about plastic surgeons as well. So but I mean, it, tell us about it, because, you know, I, I, I totally agree with you, because we are in the face protection, not witness protection program. We want to make people look good and feel good about themselves. And I think that's so important. So so how do you do that when patients come to you and say, oh, I, 
I want to. I want to look. I look tired around my eye, Doctor uh, Doctor Doctor Day. So, how do I how do I help, how do I help them? As a, as as a as a dermatologist, you know, for us, I say, okay, I'm going to do your eyelids. You know, for me, it really comes down to understanding them and hearing them and knowing what I can do and what I can't do. And it's also that you have to push out of your comfort zone. So in the beginning, all we did was fill lines. We had a collagen filler, we filled a line, lines were gone for a while, life was good. But as new fillers became available and as we understood the aging process better, right. it was up to us to now push out of our comfort zone and say, wait, if I inject this amount here, I'll get a nice contour. I can slim the face by going at this angle or widen the face by going at this angle using small amount of products and not saying, well, you know, I have this one product. I'm just going to put it everywhere because they're really all the same. They're not at all all the same. They're all they have their right. nuances. And it's taking time to study anatomy, structure and function of the skin, to go to all our meetings and to learn from each other, to share what we've learned and to keep assessing, keep assessing ourselves, keep assessing our outcomes and to always know that wherever we are, we're just at the base of where we can go in terms of our learning, growing, understanding and improving. Yep, I love that. I love that. And and of course, that starts with skincare, does it not? I mean, I mean, you're huge, obviously, you're you're a master of skincare. So tell us about that with with your patients when you're starting them at age 20, 30, 40. I mean, give us a synopsis of what you give them as advice. Well, when people tell me when should anti-aging start, I half tongue in cheek say it starts at birth. And <laughs> as soon as you're out, that rock starts ticking and we, we need to start taking care. But as you alluded to, it means different things at different ages. So early on, it's about proper sun protection, proper diet, good nutrition, getting enough sleep, things like that, hydration, all those things are super, super important. And there's no cream that's going to replace, and there's no treatment that's going to replace sleep. So getting enough sleep is more important than exercise. It's more important than food. It's more important than anything. So next to water, I would say. So sleep is one thing, but when it comes to actual skincare, Sun protection is the simplest, best thing to do. One thing I, I always quiz my patients, I say, where's the single most important part of your body to apply sunscreen? And they think about and they think about it. Some people say, you know, your forehead or your nose or your ears right. or someplace. They're trying to be smart about it, but it's your neck because your neck ages faster, scars more easily, heals more poorly than the rest of your body, and your chin creates a shadow that protects right underneath it, but where that shadow wears off is where people age the most, and your neck is always exposed. So I would say apply sunscreen going upwards from the bottom of your neck up so you get the right. most sunscreen there, not because you're lifting, but because you're actually getting sunscreen where you really need it. And then, of course, you have to do the rest of the face, but protecting the neck is really important at a very young age. And I came up with a line because I'm always experimenting with my patient, like what's li what line is going to resonate with them to make them do what I need them to do to age well. So I, I said all these things, but then I hit upon this one line. I said, you know, nothing looks more beautiful in your 50s than sun protection in your 20s. And when I said that to a patient, they were like, oh, I get that. And I said it to more people and they're like, oh, I get that. So I started saying that to everybody and saying it on social media. I was like, nothing looks more beautiful in your 50s than sun protection in your 20s. And one day I did an event with Jennifer Garner and I told her yeah. the line and she used it at a college speech. And I like to think we've become 
BFF since then, but my husband says no, but oh well. <laughs> so she's used it a bunch of times, but she always credits me. I give her, so, I, I think that's the sweetest thing, but that line does resonate. So that's your 20s. Once you start hitting your 30s, 40s, 50s, you keep the sun protection, but you add in retinols, you right. add in growth factors, you add in peptides, you add in in-office treatments, like things like Softwave or ultrasound or, or you know, um, radio frequency energy or a little bit of resurfacing to help remove some of the sun damaged cells. So we build up slowly over time. And in the end, I think we can do so well in making it so that either you can put off a facelift or get a better result when you have a facelift. Because if you do a facelift, but you have poor quality skin, you have skin that's either right. very sun damaged, it's thinned out, it's uneven tone, the facelift isn't going to heal as well, it's not going to look as good. Then as you hit your 50s and 60s, one of the single most important things that women do is consider hormone replacement therapy. Now, this is something that's been so taboo for women. They're like, right. breast cancer, oh my God, I'm going to die. And they're so afraid of it. But the reality is that you lose 30% of your collagen in the first five years post-menopause. Wow. And not only that, your risk of dementia goes up and osteoporosis and heart disease. And the cancer risk has been so overstated because they talk about relative risk instead of absolute risk, meaning your relative risk goes up a lot because it's four out of five. But if I told you you had a relative risk of winning the lottery, one out of a million, you'd say, okay, I'm not going to win. I go, okay, I'm going to double that to two out of a million. Would you think you're going to win? No. no. So four out of a thousand to five out of a thousand, is your chances are still so low, but four to five is a 20-something percent increase. So it sounds high if you only give that relative risk. So that's something that's misled women, and I'm, we're starting to get better about understanding the importance of it. That's great. So what about prejuvenation? I mean, you know, your skin looks great, and, uh, and well, I know you do lots of things because you practice what you preach and stuff. So, so what about prejuvenation? Is that real? I mean, should you do it at age 20? And, and, and what do you do? What do you tell your patients? Prejuvenation is something that I think is interesting, but it's also misleading. I have a lot of women who come in in their 20s and they're asking for a neuromodulator because they want to prevent a line. And that doesn't make sense to me because you don't do something preventative in that way when you when you don't need anything. Prejuvenation for me is when it starts to be a little bit present and lag a little bit once you stop expressing. Then it may be time. But a lot of what I do for prejuvenation is education. And that's really helping women understand why we start to see the changes we do. So when you start to see four headlines, it's either one or two things. It's either bad habit which we can work on by facial exercises, which I think there are some great ones that are super easy, or it's because either your lids or your brows are getting a little bit heavy, in which case we don't need to knock out the muscle that's holding them up. We need to actually lift them. So right. it's either using a neuromodulator to help lift by placing it in a different place on the forehead, or it's using a device that's going to help lift the brows, or it's doing both of those. So when someone tells me they have a problem or they want to prevent problems later, it doesn't necessarily mean that I need to start filling them with product or injecting them with things. It means I need to help them understand how they're aging, how they can prevent that, and then get them into a program where I can help them have a plan over time. 
So sometimes I send people away. Sometimes we start with very gentle treatments like a clear embroiled or something that's super gentle that's going to erase some of the sun damage and keep their skin healthy. But I always mix it in with nutrition and exercise and all the other things that are more holistic. It's amazing. And I loved your recent Instagram where you said, okay, I'm going to change your expression. you got to move your ears. Now, yeah. can, you, can you tell us about that? I, I was, you know, I'm... I'm pretty savvy, but that was pretty amazing. And you, you do that because you don't have any do wrinkles. It. So tell tell us, tell our audience about how you educate us. You're going to educate us about how you move your ears when you're animating. Yeah, so I, I, I came up with this because I, I watch people all the time and I watched women as they age. And I realized that as women age, they sort of implode on themselves. They furrow, they frown, they hunch, they start to pucker and they start to like look invisible. So I said, we need to go the other way. And I noticed that when people smile big, their ears go back and their ears go up and they look younger. Yeah. Look at Christy Brinkley, she, you never see her not smiling. And she always has that beautiful open look of her face. Right. So when you smile big, you're actually lifting your ears because your ears will pull your face into that extra smile that's really super authentic. So it took me a year to figure out how to do it myself of how to like actually lift my ears. I don't know if you can see. I can see. But go up. Yeah. So when you practice that expression, what you're doing, so I say lift your ears instead of your brows. I haven't used any neuromodulator in my forehead in over 20 years because really? I lift my ears. When I walk in the room, I lift my ears. When I'm on the phone, I lift my ears. And when you do that, you actually feel happier because it is an element of a smile. And the wow. laws of physics, they say you can only go in one direction at a time. So if I'm moving laterally and opening my face, I'm not only creating more of a presence, but I can't go outwards and inwards at the same time. So I'm also not furrowing. So it's a very positive lifting expression. And if you're going to do something like a neuromodulator, I tell my patients that we're partners in this. I'm not trying to just make it harder for you to make a specific expression. I'm trying to help you make a different specific expression. So I don't say, don't do this. I say, do this. So instead of lifting your forehead, lift your ears. You're not trying to not frown, you're trying to lift. And even just the idea that you're thinking something positive will help you go in that direction. It's easier for some people than others, but if anybody tries hard enough and they do it in a time where they're quiet and relaxed, not when there's a lot of background motion or tension in their face, you can isolate that muscle. Once you isolate it, just like with any other workout, you can strengthen it. And before you know it, you can really truly lift and you'll not just look better, just like the title of your show. You don't just look better, but you'll be better. Wow. Amazing. I, I'm going to practice my ear, my ear exercise. <laughs> that's amazing. I love it. So what, I mean, yeah, that's amazing what you tell your patients. I mean, I, I, I love that Doris. What, so when do you, uh, and you know, I love it. You do precision and minimal amount of filling. So we, well, let's shift to fillers now. So when, what is your ideal area where you can do the minimal amount of filling to give you the maximum result? Where do you? Well, sometimes 
It's the, it depends on the patient. It sometimes, and oftentimes it's the apex of the cheek where you can really contour and right. have a lift. The other area where a lot of women become weaker with age, some women have always had a weak chin. Some people over time, the chin recedes. All women are chin recedes as we age because right. the mandible kind of shrinks and moves back, which makes your chin move back. And then if you have an overbite, now your upper lip is hanging a little bit over your bottom lip. So every time you go to close your mouth, you have to pucker a little bit, which makes upper lip lines. So if I can rebalance and reframe the chin and maybe add a drop into the lower lip, now not only is your face in better balance and proportion and frame better, but your lips will sit on top of each other better. And that takes the pressure off your mouth as you close it every time you swallow or you push your lips together, and that helps the upper lip lines. So before I ever inject upper lip lines, I usually look at the chin and the lower lip, put those into balance, take the pressure from that motion away, and then I'll go back in with very little product and strengthen the upper lip or the skin right above it. Yep, that's great, great stuff. And I, I totally agree with that. And I, I think doing minimal mailer, and I love the temples. I think the temples as yes. we age, we really, and women lose temple um, muscle more more so than than um, than males because it's estrogen dependent, it's a skeletal muscle. So don't you find that the temple area is yeah. very, very powerful? Actually, that was one of the first places I was going to think of to mention. And the reason I didn't is because the temples, while it's very rewarding, is an area where I sometimes have to address last because women may cover it with their hair. Uh -huh. They don't see it as much. So I'll do the areas where they can see where they're really bothered. And once they see, oh yeah, that makes sense, then I can show them how that cachectic look, even if they have hair that covers it a little bit, when the hair comes off the face or even it makes a shelf from the cheek to the temple, right. that, that shelf needs to be softened. So sometimes I'll go in deep with a product like uh, a more robust hyaluronic acid filler or a PLLA, and I'll do a few sessions to build it out. And then I'll use a cannula and go more superficially to blend that ledge and even go back towards the hairline, which, you know, there's really no lifting from these products because lifts are from a facelift, but I call it an optical lift. So you're not actually lifted, but you look like you're lifted because you have better contour, better angles. And so it's an optical lift. I think it's a more accurate term. Yep, I, I agree with you totally. I, I love I love doing temples. I like to fill minimally from outer to inner, from upper to lower, and it really gives you the elegant look, you know, that you really, and it's done with minimal fillers. It's beautiful. So, so in closing, I, I, I want you to summarize for our, this has been fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm moving my ears right now. I mean, you probably can't see I have, to, I have to exercise to get them like Doris. That's why she, you really haven't had any neuromodulators in your forehead? Nope, not in over 20 years. That's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. That's unbelievable. I do the glabella, but not the frontalis. Wow. That's, yeah, that's not the forehead. Yeah. So summarize for our viewers like the three most important things uh, that that really are important for you. And if you like, just stay tuned for our next episode. We're going to talk about anti-aging medications with Dr. Day. So tell us about these non, the non-surgical things that you talked about that a consumer really needs to know. I mean, obviously, you know, you've talked about the sunscreens, which is so important. And what are some of the other things that they must know? I think it's really about a combination approach. If we're going to very crudely put what happens into three crude buckets, it's sinking, sagging, and wrinkling. And 
for the sinking, you need a filler because that's right. going to rebalance the loss of volume. For the sagging, I think of devices if they're not surgical candidates or to maintain after surgery, that's because as skin gets lax and comes down, we wanna reframe it and tighten it, but you can only do so much with fillers that way without overblowing the skin. And then um, for the wrinkling, it's really about skin quality. So sometimes in our modulator, will take the energy off that excess motion. Facial exercises will help redirect the motion and then great skincare will help re rejuvenate and refresh the skin and improve the skin quality itself. So you can have a beautiful face, but if you don't have beautiful skin, then you're going to look older than your years. And there are studies that show this, that even if you took away all the wrinkles, skin that was blotchy and uneven skin tone look older. So we always want to have skin itself that's good quality, thicker, plumper, and healthier. And that's where great skincare comes in. And you don't want to layer too many products on because sometimes the ingredients may be great, but each product has its own preservative. And those preservatives Preservatives can affect the skin biome, the microbes that live in the skin, and those microbes do very important work. So you don't want to knock them out too much. Right. Wise words from an amazing dermatologist from New York City. If you are in New York City or if you need a dermatologist, go see Doris. It may take a long time for you to get in, but fantastic. Doris, it's always a pleasure. I've learned so much from you. I'm still moving my ears. So it's a pleasure having you, and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Thanks. Thank you.